In today's show, it's another mock draft. This one is a rotisserie league, nine categories, 12 teams on Yahoo, and I'm going to be drafting with Dan Besbris of Hoopball. Michael Bolton, he's going to sit in. He's going to watch. What do you think? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. I've got another question for you guys that want to be a part of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Championship draft. The 11 category, 27 round, no in-season waiver or trade moves, but you set weekly lineups, league, that I am running. We've had questions asked on YouTube comments, one on the Instagram comments. This one, I want you to reply to one of the two tweets that I put out promoting this nine category Roto mock draft. And the question I need you to answer, now I am 100% sure I have never um, mentioned this anywhere before, but you have a one in 17 chance of guessing the right answer. And the answer is, actually not even one in 17, it's like one in 14, I think, or maybe even one in 14, I think it is, 13 maybe. When I went to my first ever AFL game in 1988, at the uh, Witten Oval, then called the Western Oval, who did Footscray slash the Western Bulldogs play in that game? I think you got a one in three. It was in 1988. That was the first game that I ever went to. Who was Footscray's opponent in my first ever VFL AFL game that I attended? Reply to my tweet promoting this episode for that answer. Shout out to everyone else who uh, provided answers to the other questions to get a spot into this league. We are drafting on the Thursday before the season starts in the evening US time. I believe it's 8 p.m. Eastern time in the US on that Thursday, which is like the 15th, I think, of October that we are drafting that draft. And you've got to be ready for that. It's $50 entry and winner takes all. Now, we are doing a, a mock draft here. So I think the best thing to do is to get the uh, get some of the ads out of the way straight away because I'm sweating. I'm waiting for this draft to begin. I should have put my sweat block on. You know what? Actually, I lie. I thought I was sweating, but I'm not because I did put my sweat block on this morning. Sweat block is the doctor created and doctor recommended product for those of you who deal with excessive sweating. We don't want to have to deal with a situation where we have to worry about what color shirt we're wearing. If you're wearing like a light colored shirt and you've got excessive sweat, big dark patches, nobody wants that. Sweat block helps solve that problem. Get the wipes, wipe them on before you go to bed. Wake up the next morning and you're done. You have a wash, you go to work, and you're covered for up to seven days. These products have been around for over 10 years. You've seen them on Rachel Ray. You've seen them on Amazon. They're available at CVS stores, and now you can get them for 20% off by going to sweatblock.com, but only if you use our promo code, which is locked on. So head to sweatblock.com, order your products, save 20%. Hey, how much better does it get than that? The answer is not much better at all, but it does get better if you are in that situation where you're dealing with a, a, your one program to or one app to watch your programs that you want. You've got your live TV to watch sports. You watch your 
your highlights on your phone, and then you've got someone else's login for other stuff. It's too much clutter. There's too much confusion. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love all in one place and finally get your TV together. It is called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites like never before in one place so you can watch your favorite movies, sports, and shows all together. No more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. All right, so that gets that out of the way. You have the the ads, some ads out of the way. We get the, the application for the, the league position out of the way. Remember to drop that in the tweet. Don't just tweet it at me. Reply to the tweet advertising this show. And then we'll get get you a uh, get you an, uh, a spot in that league. I'll send invites out. And now let's bring in the man who is going to be drafting with me in this nine category roto league. It's time to bring in Dan Besbris. All right, here he is, the man you've all been waiting to hear, the man from Hoopball. It is, of course, Daniel Besbris Jr. <laughs> Danny, how are you? We're trying Daniel today. I want you to know I'm good. By the way, that my grandmother, my late grandmother, who grew up in Brooklyn used to call me Daniel every once in a while just for fun. So that was that was nice. That felt good. There you go. Dan- Daniel Besbris Jr. ready to go for a nine-category, 12-team Roto mock draft. Um, a little bit different to uh, you know, most of the head-to-head ones that we do and that the vast majority of people play. But Dan, there is people who, who play those Roto leagues and it is a different strategy that people need to employ. Yeah, and it's kind of where I spend most of my time. I just, I, I detest playoffs in fantasy basketball i hate the playoffs? randomness the i mean i had a league last year where i i had more guys get hurt during a playoff week than moves i had i literally could not replace all the zeros so i i know that it doesn't have that excitement it doesn't have the trash talk of head-to-head but there's a fairness to roto and i love it the team that's the best the entire season is the team that generally wins it in terms of strategy you can, I think, actually take more chances in Roto because oftentimes there's a games cap. So if somebody gets hurt, you can replace them. You don't eat the zero. If somebody's in your lineup and he doesn't play, you can pick up that game later on down the line, injury replacements and so forth. You don't have to worry as much about IL slots. I don't know. I, to me, it's just slightly less stressful, a little bit less random, and and it's uh, it's my preferred way of going. It is definitely less random, and I understand the less stress part of it, but I have a question for you because when we're playing head-to-head leagues, you know, a lot of people can employ different punting strategies. You can go without a punt. So basically, there's you know, 10, 11 different ways of approaching things. You can go multi-punt, two-punt, three-punt, and so many different ways of approaching things. In Roto, we're all trying to achieve basically the same thing. We're not really punting. We're all trying to get you know good to very good in most categories, um, which sort of limits, I guess, the strategic, I can't speak anymore, the strategic um, changes in the way that you build a team, which can make it hard if you're in a shit spot in the draft to, to get those players that you need that really are more roto than head-to-head type guys. Now, I'm going to just get a, a quick answer from you here. Do you think that – I think we all agree that doing a salary cap draft, an auction draft, is a fair way of drafting in general. But do you think that it is even more, and we're not doing that today, but even more imperative in a rotisserie format just because the inherent advantage in a snake draft and where you're picking can be more pronounced in a rotisserie format? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's generally a way. I'm, I'm in pretty, I think, fairly competitive roto leagues that I've kind of built out of people that listen to our two shows. So I don't, I, like, you're talking about 
pretty intense fantasy players and you can do it. I, you know, I had, I think seventh, eighth pick. It's tough if you're in that like 10, 11 range to make up the ground, but again, it's doable. And I, I sort of abide by this, this main adage that everybody's heard me talk about, which is to go durable and safe early. And the amazing thing about fantasy is someone at the top of a draft is going to take a swing that they didn't need to take and someone's going to get to you. So I actually don't mind. I think as long as you've got third round reversal built in, you're in decent enough shape. It does cover that to some degree. I know Josh, you and I are in 30 deep where uh, up until last year, we didn't have third round reversal. And that was insane because the, the team getting the 30th pick uh, was had no prayer against the team that had the first, second, third pick or whatever. Uh, in Roto, where you're trying to build that that robust, well-rounded team where you're probably not punting, you can kind of get away with maybe one category if you really nailed it. Uh, but I do I do believe it's du- it's doable, which I don't maybe puts me kind of out on a limb. But and I don't mean to talk too long here; it's sort of in my nature. the The soft punt or the mid season give up punt is something that I've used quite a lot. You just you end up with a team that's like third from the bottom in something points often for me. And so it actually behooves you to just give away your guys that score at that point. You're cause your greatest potential loss is two Roto points. And if yeah. you can use that guy to get someone who's good in blocks, steals, whatever, or a couple things, you might be able to gain two, three, four points. So it, it becomes a little bit of an ROI game. And if you scout people appropriately and you look at the average performance of your team on a per game basis, I think you can win Roto from pretty much anywhere. Interesting. Let's see how it goes in this one. I am picking at seven. Dan, you are picking at three. We're just going to get this draft uh, set up, and then we'll be back to actually do this uh, this Roto mock draft. All right, here we go. Re- draft ready to go. We've got 14 seconds. Bring it in. Wow, that was good timing. 14 seconds. Bring, bring. Oh, you bastard. I thought I muted that. All right, let's turn that draft sound off. We don't need to hear, don't need to hear foolishness like that. Um, uh, I, my guys, do I have... Oh, anyway... Let's get these draft sounds all the way out of here because nobody needs to hear this absolute foolishness. All right, get out of here, draft sounds. We are ready to go. At pick one goes Big Chungus, Nikola Jokic. I don't think, Danny, you'd be too surprised about that. And I am uh, flabbergasted that in a nine-cat rotor league, Yanni goes at number two. What's your thoughts on, thoughts on that as you get ready to make your pick? He's not even in my first round in nine-cat roto. So uh, I'm grateful, though. This is what's going to happen. I'm, I'm pausing because it's my pick now, so I figured I could talk for... 20 seconds while killing time i do that put a dude in the queue uh yeah there's there's this hope there's a fleeting hope that he's going to fix his free throw stroke and then it all changes but i'm not willing to take that risk not at the very top of a draft not when you can get someone like this guy what i'll tell you what i did i put you at number three deliberately hopefully hopefully that Jokic and steph would go one and two and then you know, Yanni is a popular pick at number three in head-to-head leagues. And you'd go through and go, oh, I'm not picking him here for Roto for this purpose. And it screwed me up because he went at two anyway. But at least got us to talk about that. <laughs> Steph goes at three. Jimmy Harden goes at number four. Um, and then number five, we're waiting here for Eli's excellent team. Someone in the in the chat's telling me they thought it was a points league. <sighs> Unless <laughs> on, on, when the name of the draft is Nine Cat Roto, I would have assumed that you would have thought it was a nine cat rotor, but I don't know, Daniel. Some sometimes, and this is a, it's a great illustration of why you need to pay attention to whatever the hell is going on in your draft. It's my pick now, so I better shut up and my, make my selection. I'm at number seven, 
And I am going to take at number seven, Kevin Durant. I'm interested. I'm, I'm yeah, that's where I thought you were going. I, I figured you'd go, you'd go KD there. Damon Cat going off the board right in front of you. Yeah. Those are your ultra safe middle first gra- grab. So at that point, and with Roto again, if, if KD misses 15, 20 games, which he probably will, it doesn't completely kneecap you because likely he'll be a top five per game guy. Well, that's the thing. In a Roto League, I feel less worried about taking Durant there at number seven. I still probably would have done it. Like I would have hoped for Towns to get to me here. I was even debating taking Embiid in this position. But because, again, the, the Roto games cap does help you in that scenario. But I'm pretty happy taking um, Durant there. At number eight goes Luka Doncic. And then Joel Embiid goes at number nine. These are all the pretty standard picks you have in these first nine um, first nine selections. But you know, how, how do you view... Would you just, like, say you were at nine or eight there and Doncic is on the board, would you bother with him because of the massive holes that you can get in for turnovers and free throw percentage in this nine-cat format? No, can't do it. He's also outside my first round. I actually have Luca outside the second round in nine-cat roto, which I know makes me very down on Luca, but he really didn't get that close to where he's going. And no, this not, is something that... Not for nine-cat like, roto. I, I, it boggles the mind, and I know we gotta, you got to announce a few of these picks that have come in, but it's sort of impossible for a site like Yahoo to make a list for folks to work off of because their lists are not tailored to the format. Their projections are, but the lists aren't. So there's sort of no rhyme or reason to it, and yet it, it so strongly influences oh, yeah. where everybody gets picked. So after, after Embiid, just to recap, Embiid was at nine. 10, we had Beal. 11, George. Yeah, no problem with those. Jace Tatum goes at 12. I probably would have taken Tatum ahead of Beal and George, but whatever. Anthony Davis goes at 13 on the turn to Mega Man. Rip a name, Mega Man. And then um, Kyrie Irving goes at 14. Really like Kyrie at that spot. People are letting Kyrie Dan slip to the third round in some situations, which is... Yeah, it's it's, nuts. It's insanity. I just... Every draft, I assume, Josh, you'll end up getting like Kyrie or Jimmy Butler at 23 or something oh. like that. I don't, how does that keep happening? I don't know. Because people just have this idea there because it was perpetuated by shit accounts on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook saying, well, Kyrie, he's just going to go take time off because he wants to go to a birthday party. That is not what happened last year. That is just not what happened at all. He got fined for attending his sister's birthday party maskless. That is true. That is not why he took those 10 days off. Like He didn't take time off to go to a birthday party. He was dealing with mental health issues associated with um, racial injustices and things like that happening in the country at the time. And the birthday party coincided with that. And he rightfully got fined for breaking protocols. He did not take two weeks off to go to a birthday party. And it is my draft pick, so I better shut that f- up and make this pick. But <laughs> that, that, is, hard, not, that is not what happened. Like I'm, I, just, I cannot stress that enough that that is not what happened. And I am going to take the guy that you mentioned. I think I've got to go with Jim Butler here at number 18. Um. Uh, yeah, look, I don't think you'll have, you'd have too many complaints about getting Butler in that position. Nice uh, free throw percentage, good assist numbers, good steal numbers. Should still be a solid scorer. I worry a little bit about his age, but again, the games cap protects me a bit from his injuries. Yeah, I mean, you know... I- He's he's even falling farther in some drafts yeah. drafts right now. I, like what he what Jimmy Butler was able to do last season, coming off the bubble run in what I think you had to view as sort of a worst case health scenario for anyone that went to the finals in the bubble, and he had maybe his best statistical season of his career, mind you, 
missing some ball games. I think he, I, I really think the Heat are playing to win this season. I like that they made some moves. Whether the moves work or not, I don't know, but it does show a commitment. Uh, I love Jimmy Butler. I would take him as early as the turn, but I don't think you have to. Yeah, I, I don't. You don't have to at all because obviously, you know, going by this, well, let's, let's recap. Kyrie went at fourteen after my little rant there. Fred VanVleet goes fifteen. Trey Young sixteen. Saw a mock draft that uh, Kyle McEwen from Basketball Monster did. No, actually, it wasn't a mock draft. He did a real-life cash league draft today, and it's written up on the Basketball Monster site. Trey Young went ninth. Um, and then from there, that draft went off the rails. Ennis Cantor went in the 80s. So that was uh, an interesting draft. So if you are a Basketball Monster member, go and read that. That was people paying $100 to enter a draft and then just uh, set their pubes on fire. Like, I don't know what went on in that one. Anyway, after Trey Young, it was Bam Adebayo. Jimmy Butler, to me, at 18. Sabonis at 19. Nikola Vucevic at number 20. Um... We're up to you, Danny. LaMelo ball goes at 21, and you're on at 22. You've got 20 seconds. Talk us through what you're doing. Yeah, I, I've struggled with this part of the draft. Having an early first-round pick puts you in this weird in-between in the second round where I'm sort of looking between a guy that I'm pretty sure is going to be gone before it comes back and a guy that's been extremely healthy lately and would pair well. And so I'm just going to go with the big man and take Rudy Gobert, who I'm counting on to play... 90% of his team's games because on a per game basis, he's probably maybe a little bit back of 22 or pretty close to it. Uh, but that 10th category durability is so hard to find these days. And he's shown it now for about two, two and a half seasons in a row. I'm hoping he can do it again. How do you deal with these free throws? Just going to have to balance it out. Steph and, and Rudy together is going to put me kind of mid pack. So the third round, fourth round, this is a spot where you really can't put another bad free throw shooter on your team i don't know that i necessarily need to find someone who's particularly high volume there but a really high percentage free throw guy they're out there i mean we you know we can look at the board in front of us right now there's three or four really good foul shooters that are coming off the board in the next five to ten picks i'll probably end up with one of them um we have different differing opinions on this i think it's a good time for us to discuss it because you mentioned it about yeah you know, the 10th category in terms of durability i i tend to think that it's it's almost it's it's the hardest thing to project. Like I can't project if someone's going to get hurt. Like there's no way of being able to tell if he's going to land on someone's foot and sprain his ankle. I, I can't do it. You can't do it. There are players who have injury history, and if they've got a recurring problem, that is that is a concern. But you, you can't project if someone's going to break their hand, or someone's going to strain their groin, or someone's going to get smashed in the head and get a concussion out for three weeks. So I I discount durability. You value it a lot higher. Yeah, I used to completely ignore it, even as recently as like four years ago. But now all of a sudden, there's just a handful of guys that have shown the ability to somehow, whether it's maybe not jumping as high, whether it's the way that they position themselves, the way that their limbs interact with their body, they just don't get those small injuries. And it's really just a small group of players nowadays. Uh, I don't have the number offhand, and it'd be almost impossible to look it up while I'm on the clock. But I mean, I think it was like eight to 10 players that hit 70 games last season. And a lot of them, one of them look at Dwayne it and Bacon. say, okay, this is, this is interesting. Now yeah. I got to figure out who the hell I'm taking. Well, you you make that pick. Uh, and I, t I tell you what, I understand what you're saying, but yeah, you, you would have had that thought process heading into a year, two years ago. And so well, I'm taking Carl Anthony Towns because he, he'll, he'll never miss. And now he's been injured with a sore knee or knee injury for the last two years. And not that he's missed tons of games, but he didn't play huge amounts last year. And he had that knee problem the year before as well. Like, He's missed games over these last two years, so he's now he and now an injury risk, or does he go out and play eighty-two games again? Like, it is very much. You know, I understand that you have a concern with Embiid, like that's fine. I have, I have in, concerns with guys entering the league injured, 
Yeah, that, that that's a concern. But in terms of, though, I, I just don't put as much weight on it. Now, I better recap what happened here. After Lamelo Ball, you took Gobert, then it was Zion, then it was Levine, then Shea, then LeBron, then Chris Paul, and that was your pick at 27, and then Michael Porter Jr. at 28. Talk yeah, us. That was the other one. That was the other one I was looking at. I figured it was if one way or the other, it was Chris Paul or Michael Porter Jr. for me. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to jump in, but those are the two guys I was looking at there. Tell me about Chris Paul while I just work out what I'm going to do with my pick coming up in two picks. Actually, I'm a little bit down on Chris Paul this year, Mm. but things have gone a a way that I didn't expect. I figured that after two tremendous seasons for Paul, and I'll try to talk right through your pick here so you don't have to worry about what's going on in the draft. Uh, After two amazing seasons for CP3, where he was a first-round totals player each of the last two years, I thought his ADP would start to move up the board a little bit, and it kind of hasn't, where he was going in like 35, Four thirty-five, and now he's around thirty-two. That's a that's a minuscule change. So I came into this season expecting Chris Paul to be getting drafted in the maybe early to mid twenties, and I thought, you know what, that probably prices me out a little bit or kind of caps him because he had a wrist surgery and they went into the finals. So this isn't a year where I expect him to play eighty out of eighty-two games or really almost anything close to that. I'm, I'm looking at Chris Paul more in the 69 70 71 out of 82 games this year range but yet here he is again going in the middle of the third round he probably would have gone four or five six picks past where i took him and to me that actually still provides value even if it's not as much as the first round total stuff we got each of the last two years i still think he ends up in the second uh and so to get him in the third that's you know that that me taking sort of a short range jumper and and hoping there's no catastrophic injury. Well, Chris Paul's missed three games in the last two years, Danny. So you know we, we talk about that durability issue. Like, do you, and Chris Paul was someone that everyone would avoid because he got hurt all the time, and now he's missed three regular season games in in two years. So is he now a guy that you can trust to be? This is why I have this issue with the you know, calling guys injury prone or calling guys uh, Ironmen because. Changes straight away. And yeah, people t- tend to misinterpret what I say when I say the, the longer you go without an injury, the closer you are to your next injury. It's not because, oh, well, all the minutes have built up. Just that this is, shit just happens. Like shit happens. People get hurt. People punch chairs as they walk out and break their hand. They do you know, knuckle push-ups and their hand shatters into a million pieces. It, random stuff happens. And the more time <laughs> that you put yourself in those situations without it happening, you seem to be closer to something happening. Like everyone's you know, really getting excited about Nikola Jokic. He never gets hurt. Like, something could happen to him this year. There's, he's not made of adamantium where he's going to go out there and he's indestructible. Something can happen at any point to these guys. Remember when Russell Westbrook didn't miss a game for seven years? Or Damian Lillard? And now Lillard misses 10 a year and Westbrook's knees are a situation, and quite as a situation where you go, well, shit, maybe I pencil him in for 20 missed games. Like, it changes so much. But that's enough of me talking about that because I want to recap what the hell happened after that selection. Um, we went from Maga Porter Jr. to Julius Randle. Then it was Miles Turner. Then it was my pick at 31. I took Don Mitchell because I, I did want to get some scoring onto my team. I was debating Mitchell and DeAndre Ayton, but I didn't get that chance to get Ayton on the way back around because after Mitchell went Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, and then DeAndre Ayton, and then Paul Zingas at 35, which um, we talk about the games cap limiting the impact of injuries. I think Paul Zingas can easily beat this number, but I don't think I would have taken him there, Dan. Yeah, no, I, I'd prefer he go about a round later than that. 35 is, you're pushing it, because you're talking about per game, probably in the in the 20 to 25 range, yep. with the expectation that he's going to sit back-to-backs. I don't, uh, and I don't, then I don't if think anything else that. happens beyond that, no, I don't then you're talking sitting. about 16, 17 missed ball games, and so you pull a round or two of value behind that. I think if you can get him in the 40s or beyond, he, he probably blows that out of the water. 
Uh, and as we get deeper into this draft, too, you can worry less about the the games played factor because guys are a little bit more replaceable. This is still just a little too early for me to, to start taking those swings on guys you know come into the season with a games cap, basically, on their own season of like N minus 13 or something like that. So I, I don't agree with that for Porzingis. I think there is two players, there are two players that come into the season healthy who will sit back-to-backs, not including Clay Thompson's and um, yeah, James Wiseman now. He's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Anyone who's injured to the start of the season is an issue. But the guys that come in healthy, I, I think that uh, John Isaac will sit back-to-backs. If, even if he's ready to go opening night, I think he sits back-to-backs yeah. this year. I think the other one probably will be Mike Conley, who sits a big chunk of back-to-backs. I don't think there's anyone else, Porzingis included, that's going to have that as their management plan uh, heading into the season. I think he'll sit some back-to-backs, but I don't think you can say they play 13 back-to-backs or I think they have 13 or 12. He's going to sit yeah, all of yeah. them. I, I don't think... I could be wrong. I just don't think that is... There are very few players, even in league history, who have come in healthy where they say, you're just sitting every back-to-back you know, as we start off, especially when you're under 30 as Porzingis is. I think there's a chance though. There is. I, I don't think it'll happen, but it very well could. Let's. Uh, how upset are you that Rashawn Holmes went at 37? As I get ready for my pick, <laughs> because because it didn't get back to me. Yeah. No, that I mean, that's fine. I mean, that's that's probably around where he should be going. Um, he's another guy where there are those sort of dents, but it's it's more the manageable, like everybody in the league misses nine, ten ball games kind of thing. Uh, that's about where he's at on a per game basis as a starting center on the Kings. I love Rashawn Holmes. Uh, if he had gotten back to me at 46, I probably would have plopped him on my team. I can't say I'm mad though. It's a mock draft. So I'm, I'm happy for him going early in mocks. I, it's almost like I, I feel a pride that he's now finally being drafted early where he belongs. Um, OG Ananobi <laughs> goes at 38. I think that's, that's okay. Like I don't mind Ananobi there. And then, um, Devin Booker at 39, which is strong. Middleton at 40. Middleton falls in nearly every mock draft that I do. And I, I don't really understand why, but he's at 40. Toby Harris at 41. And then I took the crucifix. Christian Wood at 42 because, Dan, I think you would have noticed this in the mock drafts that you do. If you don't get a big man in these first five rounds, after Isaiah Stewart goes off the board at maybe 70, it's bloody it's bloody tough. And in the we're doing a mock draft for your uh, podcast at the moment, and I was like, shit, I need a big man. So I had to reach up for Yucca Pertle because I was in real trouble otherwise uh, in terms of getting my big man stats in. So I've gone with Wood here to try and get some uh, blocks, rebounds onto my squad. Yeah, it's um, it's it's strange too because thinking back to the last two seasons, there was this blitz on big men, and then a ton actually surfaced mid-season each of the last two years. You had all these big men kind of come out of nowhere, bench rolls that started performing, uh, and now they're all getting drafted. So you've got this overloaded, yeah. front-loaded big man thing. I know it's my turn here. Well, t- uh, I'm two, actually two really glad, by the way, off. that JV and Clint Capella went off the board because I was having issues trying to figure out if I could stomach another bad free-throw shooter on top of Gobert. I would have had to have taken Capella there, uh, but he's gone, so I'm going to go exceptionally safe. It's the Dan Vespers way. It's percentages. Again, I, I, I didn't want to stomach another bad percentages guy. I'll take someone who's good in both. Uh, and just a decent across the board performer. So we'll uh, we'll go John Collins. He got his he got his contract. He's happy in Atlanta now. Nothing special there. There's no upside. There's no downside. We know what John Collins is, and he fits my team at this point because uh, I think I'm making a nice bounce back after Gobert's free throw stuff. Well, you know, if we talk about big men, after Wood it went Halliburton, Valanciunas, Capella, 
Collins. Like there's three bigs in a row there, and this is what starts to happen in this area. And then this Arbery's team, which I think is Aiden who took over this team. He's who took at, they took Giannis at two, and then they've just gone with Westbrook at uh, 47, which again is just it's going to be tough for them to get some um, competitiveness in, in not no not tough. It's impossible to get competitiveness in the old free throw percentage category. I would say. Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible. I, and I'm I'm terrified of Russell Westbrook this year. I'm terrified of basically everybody on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget free throws alone. I, I just, I think they'll figure it out from a chemistry standpoint, but to think that there's not going to be a massive usage issue for the main ball handlers there, and to think that Anthony Davis is going to care at all about rebounding now that Westbrook can go get 11 a game, everybody's taking a hit out West in LA. Um, I, I'm attempting not to touch those guys, although... People are letting LeBron fall to 30 and 35. And at that point, it's like, all right, well, I could, I guess we could do something there. But uh, that's, a, that's a horrifying team. And I'm a Laker fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, it, it's just weird because there was four blokes on this team that played there together last year. And then you're adding Westbrook into that mix and a bunch of other players. The rotation's really tough to figure out. I think there's only three guys now that Gasol's gone. I think it's Davis, Horton Tucker, and LeBron. I think that's it, isn't it? It's only those three guys that still remain. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. They, they, they've they jettisoned everyone for one player and they've rebuilt the whole thing. I actually kind of like what they did after the Russell yes, Westbrook I- trade, but it's going to take some time for all that to, to kind of gel. I'm at a weird spot here now where I'm sort of forced to either, again, look at team build or uh, take someone that's extraordinarily safe and, and just sort of the Dan Vespers way. I think I'm going one more round of very predictable, sort of like set your watch to it type of fantasy stuff. My team is very weak on scoring, so I have to get a little bit of it. Uh, And again, it's not a guy that's really going to crush me any place. So I'm going to go CJ McCollum and hope he stays in Portland all season long. He's probably not the guy I take there uh, in a lot of situations, but uh, there's a little bit of goofiness with the front end of my team and just how it all fits together. I just, I think there's a nice uh, roundness to that. And I also think there are going to be some shots to take coming back in a six. So this was the Dan's last really safe play unless something crazy happens and we'll get a little weird in the next round. After Westbrook, Jaron Jackson went at 48. Darren Fox goes at 49, which I think is a bit too low for Fox. DeJounte Murray goes at 50 and then you go McCollum at 51. And then Oh, the two that I had in my queue, it, it brings me to... Uh, I've got to drop my new sound here. Oh, fuck off. Hey, fuck off. Yes, fuck off indeed. Yusuf Nurkic and Anthony Edwards went at 52 and 53. They were the two guys that I had in my queue. So I am reassessing not only my life choices, but what I'm going to do with this next selection. <laughs> and you're next. You're next. I can wax poetic about something while you build a new queue if you'd like. Ooh, nah, it's, I, I've, well, let's see what happens here. Ah, sorry. Darius Garland goes at 54. Now, Dan, I know you hate that, so tell me why you hate um, Darius Garland at 54. I just think we've wiped out all the value. The, the, the hype has gone crazy here. I, like, when he was going back at more of a late-round type of thing, that felt like something that could maybe push forward. I know he was in that 60 to 80 range down the stretch when he was sort of turned loose a little bit. Uh, but also, his percentages were were... I don't want to say weirdly high because they could stick if he really did improve on the field goal percent side. But over that last six weeks of the season, he was shooting something like 47, 48% from the field and 88% at the foul line on this higher volume stuff. Yes, he could get a little bit more usage this year, but I don't think the one and a half steals stick 
that we saw over that range. I just think we've kind of priced him out, which uh, I, I don't want folks to get to sort of conflate me saying that I don't like a guy with um, I don't like where he goes. And that's what's happening with Darius Garland right now. This is this whole it's like the 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 name that tune type of thing where I can get him I can get him at 55 and then someone's like well crap if he's gonna get him at 55 I gotta get him at 50 and by the time drafts are happening in October these guys are going at 35 I feel like it's a lot like what happened with Shea last year where he was going at 45 and that was cool and then he was going at 40 and then 35 and then 30 and all of a sudden he was going at the end of the second round and we're like wait a minute I gotta like I gotta catch my breath here because suddenly we've priced guys out I don't know how Garland clears that again without playing like 80 out of 82 games so it's not completely out of the question but it's going to have to be by totals and it's going to have to be him playing almost every ball game i think i i tend to agree that these guys that get too far i think it's going to happen it's already started to happen to michael porter he's been re-ranked on yahoo at 22 it's going to happen to isaiah stewart he's come from 120 into 60 he's going to come into the top 50 at some point i think it might be happening to rashawn holmes as well who they had i think in the 90s at the, at the beginning of the ranks um, there are guys that it's going to happen to for sure. This is going to get uh, overpriced and then it's going to sound like I, I don't like them. Um, but you're right. It's just about getting them at the right spot. By the way, I picked Lonzo Ball at 55, um, then Ben Simmons at 56, Draymond at 57, Mikael Bridges at 58. The Rock DJ Robbie Williams goes at 59. Then there we go. Alf Stewart goes at number 60, which I think, again, I think you're going too high. For, where is the value in Stewart there? I'm not sure that it's there, but again, it's this run on centers. Like after this, like what? The, who the hell's left? There's not many centers left over. And then Demato isn't at 61. Derek White at 62. And we're coming back around to me. But this is what happens. You see these guys start to push higher. I think Rob Williams probably went a little bit too low, in my opinion. Here, Dan, I I was hoping to get him back to me at 66, but he's going to go top 50 in a lot of drafts, and it is my hmm. turn now. So, what do you think about Rob Williams? Yeah, I'm surprised at how early he's going. I I thought that there would be a little bit more of a souring on him with Horford coming back to Boston, but people are hip to the fact that he can go top 50 in like 23 minutes of ballgame. That's that's actually, that says good things about the fantasy public at large. I think people are getting smarter at this game because, you know, in even four or five years ago, if, if the fantasy world heard someone might be coming off the bench. That dude's not getting drafted in the top 50. And there's a possibility he's not the starting center for the Celtics, but he's still going there. Um, I'm a little curious where he ends up as things kind of settle, where we're still in kind of this sharp draft window in mid to late September. He may start going a little bit later again as we approach draft day, depending on what news comes out of Boston. And I think we're all hoping that that's what happens. I have a bunch of drafts that are happening that weekend right before the season starts, and I'd love it if guys like Stewart, guys like Time Lord, if they start to slip back one, two rounds to where maybe the value's back again. I don't think Stewart will, but the Williams one's interesting because if he if they come out preseason, they start him over Al Horford. Um, he'll, oh, yeah, he'll, he'll never get him. He'll end up he'll, going in the 30s, and I think that yeah. might actually be all right. Like, there's a, you can talk about scenarios of the way things go down, but if, if Robert Williams plays 30 minutes a night, Right, there is a very easy pathway to me for me to look at that and go, well, shit, he could be a top twenty-five player. Like I wouldn't pick him there, but it's a very easy pathway to get there if he does play that role. Now he might not play that role, but yeah, what happens in those preseason games is going to be hugely influential on what happens with his draft spot. Now, if he comes in and he's playing 20 minutes and Horford's playing 29, then you will get a little bit of value on him because people got a 20-minute backup. We don't want anything to do with that. It's your pick, by the way, so I'll just keep talking. 
Um, yeah, I, that's okay. I'm just I'm staring at the board here, and I'm thinking uh, I'm a little surprised that Terry was still there. I, I got timed out almost on my pick, so I, I had to rush through it. So I'll tell you what happened there. After Isaiah Stewart was DeRozan, Derek White, then it was Rob Covington, Gordon Haywood, Malcolm Brogdon, and then I picked D'Angelo Russell at 66. And I, to be honest, I, I hate it. Like I hate it. <laughs> um, I was searching for a big man, and there was none there. Cade Cunningham goes at 67. Lowry at 68. Morant at 69th, which. I don't think Morant is as good a category league player as people uh, might think he is, but yeah, maybe there's a bit of value there. And then Rogier Careful, they'll 70. come for you, man. I said that last year, and I had the John Morant stand crew breathing down my neck immediately. That's all right. They're, they're wrong, but they can think whatever they want. <laughs> like, you can't argue with the fact that he was, what, outside the top 120 last season. Like, you just cannot argue with that fact. He might improve, but are we expecting him to prove 60 spots? Probably not. Maybe it works out. I don't know. Jarrett Allen goes at 71. And then uh, we're about to round out round six here. I think that's good value for you to get Rogier. Yeah, I had no intention of drafting him. I figured for sure he'd be gone. And I said I was about to start, you know, rolling the dice and doing some reaching. But there he was just sitting at the top of the board. Uh, Even if he takes a step back, uh, again, this is a guy who just had a absolutely brilliant season. He was 38th on a per game basis. I know it's hard to know if the durability thing's really going to stick there, but he played 69 out of 72 games. He was a second rounder by totals last year going at 70. I kind of had to again, wasn't the guy that I was expecting to get there, but kind of here we are. Sometimes something falls into your lap and you just sort of have to take it. My issue with him is that he went from like a 42% two point shoot to like a 49 or 50%. And it just, and it did drop off as the season went on. He was shooting the absolute lights out to begin the season. And it's just not in line with anything he's ever done in his career. And then it started to fall off. And if that's not there, then he's, he's not going to get assist numbers. He's not going to get much else. But if that high scoring, high efficiency is not there and it falls back down, I believe I buy him as a 40% three-point shooter. I think we've seen that for two, three years now. I buy that. I don't buy him being yeah in the top 10 mid-range shooters in the NBA, which I think, I don't, I don't know if he was. He was at one point. Uh, that's my concern there. Um, after him, after being- a reasonable concern, by the way, a very reasonable concern. Jared Allen goes at 71. Yeah, I don't know about that, but again, finding a big man's impossible. Pascal Siakam at 72. Look, that's great. We just hope that he misses only a month. If he misses three months, it probably doesn't work. If he misses a month, then that's a top 40 guy that you've got there. Sexton at 73. Jeremy Grant at 74. Daniel Besbris is on the clock at 75. <laughs> What's, what, are you thinking? what are you thinking here? I'm thinking another guy that I thought for sure would be gone is still on the board, and I guess I got to sort of roll the dice a little bit. It's not someone that I trust really at all with how many options they have there now but the ceiling is so ridiculous i have so many safe plays on my team to this point i'm going to take a shot and hope that boucher still gets 20 some odd minutes in toronto because his fantasy game is just too damn good to leave him on the board at this point i think at this point you've got to take him there are situations in people who are drafting him very high like well we, we all know one of them uh dan uh, dr a is super high on uh, on boucher this year i cannot get behind getting him in the top 50 it's just too much uh, variability or uncertainty with what he does. And there was times where he was a top 20 guy last year and times where he wasn't a top 120 guy. It was just all and They've over, got a bunch of centers there now too. They they ended up with Achua, Kem Birch. Those guys are all Pascal Siakam don't, could slide up and play center once he's healthy. So there's a squeeze there. Don't be surprised. Uh, but again, like at get, 75, I oh, kind of had to. People are far, people are reach, reaching on the centers here. Um, we'll talk about, there, don't be surprised if Dwight Powell and Moses Brown end up in Toronto as well. That's the rumor that I keep hearing in Tor- from Toronto to Dallas in that at that deal. And I'm going to make my pick, but Brooke Lopez at 77 is the biggest center reach that I have seen. And that is basically just because there's no centers around. 
you're going to expect me to say that I like him at 77, no, no. and I don't. You, I actually don't. As much as I love old men and Brooke Lopez fits the profile, he's not changing from last year. And if he does, it'll probably be the wrong direction. He was hovering in the 90 range most of the season. He's shown himself to be incredibly durable lately, which is good. So by totals, he might actually clear that 77 mark. But I just don't think someone needed to go get him there. He's not a guy that people are reaching for. So this is all about kind of that that game theory thing. If you like Brooke Lopez, that's fine, but he'll probably be there 12 picks later. So kind of game it out a little bit. Figure out what everybody else is doing. I know it's tough when the clock is 45 seconds and we're sort of humming along and you and I are talking about it while it's happening, uh, but that's just not a guy. You could bump him down in your queue. The buckets, everybody knows I talk about the buckets on my show. Uh, you could put him in a lower bucket because no one's stealing him from you at 70 anything this year. Uh, no. I don't I don't hate Brook Lopez as a player. Again, I actually liked that he moved closer to the rim last year and improved his field goal percent, but you can get him at 90, and that'll still be fine. You don't need to go get him earlier than that. I agree. You, you don't need to. Now, I always seem to end up with this bloke, but I got Jakob Pertl at 79. Again, it's a big man crunch, but yeah, I, 10 out of 10 times I take Pertl over Lopez, and I assume you do too. I do. Yeah, I like Pirtle. Uh, even as you took him in our uh, our other mock, I thought, oh, I like that one. He's he's going to fly under the radar. I'm really curious where he goes, Josh, if you don't take him in the 70s. I feel like he probably goes, what do you think, about a half round, a round later than that? Um, yeah, Where have you probably, been seeing him going? Yeah, probably in the 90, 90 type area, I would say. So maybe a full round after that. I think that's probably it the It doesn't area. seem like anyone's coming for his job, really. The Spurs brought in a bunch of like discount 99 cent bargain bin type of guys good like value contracts but oh, doesn't yeah. seem like anybody's hard charging Jakob Pertl's job no nah, Jock Landau's not coming in and stealing those minutes nor is <laughs> nor is Drew Eubanks Drew, Drew Eubanks nah. there were games I watched last year where I was convinced Drew Eubanks was the worst player in the NBA and that's probably not true I'm sure it was nah, just a I bad two game stretch let me but, tell you something Dan He's he's got a teammate who's a worse player than him and his name uh, has the suffix of the number four you can know uh, you can work out. I went. It's Lonnie Walker. He's shit house. And and uh, Drew Eubanks oh, might be a better player. I'm, I was trying to figure out what rhymed with four, but you said suffix. I'm clearly an idiot. It's late at night. I did say suffix. And uh, yeah, Lonnie Walker's not very good uh, at this point in his career. Maybe he gets better. But uh, I thought Drew Eubanks was all right last season. Not that he's ever pushing up a Pirtle because Pirtle's a top five or maybe top four defensive center in the entire NBA. So. Um, yeah, people do underestimate him quite a bit. Uh, now, where, where are we? PJ Washington Jr. went at 80. Bogdan Bogdanovich at 81. He won't shoot 46% from three again. Norman Powell at 82. Johnny Isaac at 83. That's uh, yeah, that's risky. But again, we get offset a bit with the games. Marcus Smart at 84. Jalen Green at 85. Mike Conley at 86. Hard to complain too much about those picks. I worry, Dan, and maybe you have these worry as well, that Jalen Green is going to take so many shots and a lot of them aren't going to go in, given that John Wall's not there. Now, he's just going to be shooting quite a lot. Yeah, you know my stance. I'm a, I'm a real curmudgeon when it comes to the young guys. They they just they there's so much buzz around them that even if they have a good season, they almost never hit their ADP value. It's it's always some guy, some young guy who gets drafted in like the 110 range that folks weren't really thinking about that pops out of nowhere or a big man. Young big men can hit their mark because they don't have to handle the basketball. The efficiency stuff doesn't plague them the way it does the younger guards and wings in the NBA. And so to me, the, the ROI on these dudes is just, it's not worth it. You, you take 10 Fuck. shots on rooks and one of them hits. And yeah, you feel like the smartest guy in the room that one time, but the nine times you lose, 
you're going to feel it in your pocketbooks. I, yeah, no, I, I the efficiency stuff with these guys, head-to-head, I think you can get away with it a little bit better because if they improve as the season goes, you might get someone who's starting to figure out the speed of the NBA game come February, March, April. But in Roto, they put so many anvils in your percentages at that point that whatever they do doesn't really counterbalance the damage that was done early. 86 was Conley, and then we had two bigs. Mitchie Robinson goes at 87. Dan Gafford at 88. There's risks associated there. And I thought, you know what? Kemba Walker is just sticking around. Like, he is out there like flies on shit. Like, he is just hanging around, really. And I was like, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him at a massive bargain. And then that asshole who is picking before me, <laughs> Benjamin. Benjamin, if you're watching the video, double barrel, takes him at 89. Um, and that pissed me off. And that made me... I was reeling. I was in shambles. Anyway, I went with Miles Bridges at number 90 because I was just... I was just angry that Kemba went. But anyway, uh, Miles Bridges at 90. Yeah, whatever. Um, I, I couldn't I couldn't like it less, but I'm okay with it. And then Kyle Anderson goes at 91. Just really annoyed at that Kemba Walker selection. I thought he was going to just snag a beautiful one sli- sliding through there, but I get the Bridges instead. Um, I, I reckon, no, I'll go out on a limb here. I reckon you love the Kyle Anderson pick at 91. I love it. I love it. He was the one I was hoping would get to me at 94. Now I'm scrambling a little bit. I'll be honest. We sort of wiped out my my board. Uh, so now it's like build the next bucket in the in the two moves before your turn. I'm probably going to do something I regret here, but that's okay. It's a mock doing while talking. Uh, I feel like you and I have a, a very reasonable excuse. And um, I'm going to use that forever when I, when I do something dumb here in 40 seconds. All right, so the worry, I, I, the worry I have with Anderson is that so much of his value came from a massive increase in shooting percentages. Maybe that's not real. But also, he played so much of his minutes at Powerford, and he was so much better there. And he won't be able to do that this year because Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman, Stephen Adams, like there's 96 front court minutes basically sewn up there. So is Anderson going to be exclusively playing as a three? What, what does that mean for his numbers? I'm not saying that it's not a bad pick because I don't think it is, but... Maybe he's not quite as good as last year. After Anderson goes, we go at 92. The pencil Harrison Barnes goes at 93. I'm not going to subject Dan to... Or maybe I do. Should I subject Dan to the music? Let's see. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, give me give me something here. There you go. Did that get you in the mood to make a good pick? It got me in the mood to do something. Let's see what we got here. Uh, this is not going to be a good pick. What was it? Let's have a look. Danny went with... Bud healed. You're right. It wasn't a good pick. So thanks, no. thanks for being honest. It's not a good pick. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I, right. I had a couple guys I was floating around, and I I was like, you know what? I, I actually don't. Who do I pick. need to take first out of this list of players? And that was the one that was closer to the top of the board. So I figured, all right, he's someone I'd actually rather have probably about a round, maybe two rounds later, because I do still think he's going to get something done this year. They just they need floor spacing, no, I think even though he fine. was terrible. I, I think that his field goal percent does come back a little bit. Uh, it can't but be worse. he's not someone I wanted. He's not someone I wanted to take in the '90s, and I probably didn't need to. But the other guys I have on my list, I don't think anyone's taking before they get back to me. Yeah, I, I, I think Heald's fine there. I look, I don't think his shooting can get worse. To be honest, he just couldn't hit yeah. a two at all. Like, his three-point shooting was fine. Everything else was a disaster. Uh, I worry about a trade and minutes really dropping off. Um, it's back to you now, and I'll we'll just talk. Through it is. It. I was ready with this one. Okay, I'll, I want your. I want to hear this. Okay, I don't like this. Uh, Spencer Dimity at ninety-five. Whatever, fine. Jordan Clarkson at ninety-six. I see no benefit in that pick at all. Ivan Fournier at ninety-seven. I like Mobley at ninety-eight. Maybe a little bit early. And then you going with Kaliulinik at number ninety-nine. Now he was dominant last year, but does he play enough, Dan? Actually, I think it's a pretty good pick. But does he play enough to make this uh, <laughs> to make this useful? 
Yeah, at 99, he does. Um, my fear with Olenek was that people would have a little bit of a carryover effect. And I'll, I'll make sure that my explanation here is long enough to get you through your pick. Uh, my fear was that people would remember Houston mm. and he would end up going in the 40s, 50s, 60 range, even though he comes into Detroit in this kind of weird situation where Isaiah Stewart is kind of the clear-cut front court guy of the future. Uh, and then it ended up kind of falling back the other way where everybody's like, all right, well, I guess he's just the backup. But I don't think it's that simple. There are minutes for him. They need someone that can actually be a floor-spacing big man. He can pass. So he does a lot of the things that that team's going to need to keep the young guys uh, in focus. And I don't feel like they have that many great options in the front court beyond kind of sliding. I guess you could slide Jeremy Grant up, make sure he plays the four. I guess he mostly plays the four anyway. And then Isaiah Stewart, which does still leave some 30-odd to 35 minutes in the front court. He doesn't need 35 minutes. He's not going to get usage like he got in Houston. But at 99, I mean, we saw That's it in good. Miami when they weren't letting him do anything. He was right around the top 100. Detroit signed him. They want him. They're going to let him do more than he did with the Heat. I think this is a layup to beat 99 on a per-game basis. But by how much remains a little bit the question. He's a really good player. And I've been saying it for years and years and years. I think at 99, it's fine. He's a very easy top 50 player. If he plays 30 minutes, he won't do it, but he can. Um, you got to account, Dan, for the fact that, you know, Luca Garza is going to play 30 minutes a night, apparently, according to some people <laughs> <laughs> in that in that front court. Um, let's talk about some other picks that went down here because after, after mm. you picked... Where, let's go They're back. knocking uh, my cue out. They're knocking my cue out here. I got to resort again. After Linux, we went with Jalen Suggsy Suggs at 100. Thad Young at 101. Not not in my cue, by the way. Dan, I didn't jump in. The Spurs have not announced that they have acquired Thad Young. <laughs> yeah, I, I, He's not I love for Thad him. Young. Everybody knows that I I did that stupid hashtag Thaditude just to see what would happen, and people seem to like it, and I think it's funny. Uh, he's not on my draft board. He's, he's I don't think you can draft a guy who might not be on a team to start the year. Mm -hmm. Wendell Carter goes at 102. I took Nikhil Alexander 103. Just to add to the fact that I just hate everything that I'm doing in this draft, I feel like I'm just completely off here. Um, Devontae Graham goes at 104. Dunk Robinson at 105. That is way too high for Duncan Robinson. And I also think Keldon Johnson at 106 is too high. I like Jason yeah. Jay Sean Tate at 107. Bogdanovich at 108. Now, I want to get your thoughts on Keldon because I say it all the time. The dude got no steals and blocks or assists in college. He came to the NBA no. and he gets no steals and blocks or assists and shoots subpar percentages. People just go, well, DeMar DeRozan's gone. He's going to have a larger role. Yes, he will play more minutes. But that doesn't magically mean, oh, he's going to focus on these things. That doesn't magically mean he's going to get steals, blocks. He might, but banking on it, I think he's foolish. Um, and yeah, he, he was shit out totally last year. With was totally with you on that. Uh, points leagues, I think there's probably a yes. nice route. Yes, um, believe that. But I need, I need categories here. I can't have someone who's good at two out of nine categories. That's not that helpful. Yep, exactly. And what is he? Maybe he can score 18 points a game. I think that's possible. But everyone just looks at him and goes, he's a 3 and D wing. The problem is he gets no defensive stats and he's a subpar shooter and he's bad at the free throw line and he doesn't get assists and he doesn't hit many threes. Again, he he gets points and that's good for a points league, but he get, he's getting significantly overrated. Maybe it all comes off, but you're just taking him at almost best case scenario, which I know you hate and I hate as well. After um yeah. after Keldon is Tate at 107, Bogdanovich at 108, Reggie Jackson at 109 feels high. Mason Plumley at 110. I was hoping he would get back to me. That's unfortunate. Unfortunate. Like that and then the uh, depressed penis, Sadiq Bay goes at 111. Joe Harris at 112 and Jaden McDaniels at 113. And I'm on the oh clock. Oh my God, it's flying. Yeah, it it's is. It's absolutely flying right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, not tough. Uh, tell me what you think if you there. If you built more power to you, I, I, I do I'm not. 
struggling to, but at least I have four picks here to get it all together. So I'm just going to, again, I'm going to talk while you get to survey the draft board. I liked a few of those uh, most recent ones. Not all of them, but this is the beauty of the later part of the draft. You just you just go get your guy at this point. You don't worry about what everybody else is oh, yeah. doing because weirdos are going to go flying off the board left and right here. And we are, we are all, our starting lineups are done now. And in Roto, your bench is just like a go crazy like because you're not playing those guys most of the time like you might play them 20 games 15 games like you're not playing them and by the way i took deandre hunter at 114 if he plays like deandre hunter before he hurt his knee then that's a, a monster i just worry that he was shit house before like in his first season and he was bad when he came back from the knee injury and he had multiple knee injuries that's a, that's a real worry to me but at 114 dan who gives a shit like i think it's going to be okay <laughs> if it works out like if it doesn't work out yeah. you know what see you later i'll, I'll get yeah. someone else who, who gives it indeed? I'm, I'm totally on board with that. This is this is actually my favorite part of the draft because it, it, particularly in Roto with that games cap, like you said, you're, this is take a shot, man. Uh, if you want to take an injured guy, this would be the place to do it. I don't love it still because you're sitting on a wasted roster slot, uh, but you've built this nice foundation early, presumably, that now you can go chasing upside. You can spend the whole damn last four or five rounds just going completely nuts. Those guys probably won't be on your team in three weeks anyway. I think it's my turn, so I should probably stop talking. Yeah, otherwise you're going to end uh, up with Andre Drummond. Oh, did someone take him? No, no. no he's, he's otherwise top, I'm going to end up, yeah, because he's he's at the top of the board, and we definitely don't want that. <laughs> I saw him getting drafted at like 75 in one mock draft, and I thought, does anybody? Anyway, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. I, I, let, all right, it's shot taking time. Um... What are we going to do here? You know what? Let's uh, let's go with one of my favorite backups in the NBA. Nerland's Noel. Why the hell not? All right. So let's recap. After Hunter, it was Larry Nance. It was Jingle and Joe Ingles. That's a no upside pick. TJ McConnell and then Nerland's Noel at 118. He's a great contributor, uh, Danny. Um, RJ Barrett goes at 119 as well. A couple of Knicks in a row. Uh, Noel's upside is probably a little bit limited by, oh, yeah. by Robinson's. Robinson's healthy, but, but yeah. He could start. Maybe they started. Who knows what... I mean, he started in the preseason and then had to sit out a couple of games with a sore knee and then Thibodeau just laughed at him. <laughs> you think you're getting back in? Get out of here. And didn't start him until Robinson got hurt. That was a weird... Remember Tibbs ran this weird preseason rotation and then the, for the first game just did... Nah, none of this matters. We're doing something completely different. Oh my different. God. I have so much ire towards what <laughs> happened in the preseason last year because Nerlens was my... Was like my oh, hidden same. gem. Yeah, I loved him. And then I loved started him. him. Yep. And, every, and everybody drafted him at 75 and went, come on. Mm -hmm. And then he stunk. He got dropped everywhere. And he obviously turned it around when Robinson got hurt. Although he was starting to come on a little bit even before that 20, 21, 22 minutes kind of thing. But that was a guy who had his fantasy value completely obliterated uh, or the value on draft day, I should say, by a preseason starting job that came completely out of nowhere. It created this weird bubble for Mitchell Robinson, who if he doesn't get hurt, maybe that pans out. Uh, but that was... What a what a complete disaster! I'm I'm still mad about that because I ended up with Nerlens basically nowhere because he went 40 picks earlier than he was going a week before that, and here we go again. Uh, let's see here. Dr do Drummond I go old or do I go young? Old or young? Um, you make your pick. After Barrett, it was Ubre, and then we went Josh Giddy at 121, and then Andre Drummond did go off the board. Now this is into a bench slot, so I don't hate it as much as I would have if he had gone earlier. Oh, Bumba, he was uh, he was on my list to select there as a, as an option. Um, Derek Favors, he was also on my list, so yeah, good to see my queue getting um, not 
not nice treatment, which is awesome. <laughs> and you're coming up here in two picks again. Yeah, I, I, I like Bamba. I don't. I know that there's a, a Wendell Carter Jr. rush. I'm not. I'm not a big Wendell Carter Jr. guy. I, I just. I love Bamba's fantasy game. That's because you he can't stay it. healthy. But who cares? It's Roto Games cap. I can s- slot him in there for 40 ball games this year out of whatever 11th round pick or whatever the hell we're on right now. Uh, that's a dude who just rockets up the board. And that's kind of what I'm looking for here. Are can I find guys who are pretty damn good in 22 minutes and would just dominate if they got 26? That that I think is a really good strategy late in a roto draft, unless you're missing a particular position on your team. That brings me to a re-rank that Yahoo has done, and I'd like your thoughts on this because if this bloke got 30 minutes, he'd blow up, and that's Nick Claxton. They've put him at 122. The path for him to get there seems just littered with bodies. It just seems impossible for me to consider drafting him at this spot, given Paul Millsap, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin are all there. Yeah, I just I don't see that pathway for him to get those minutes, and it's my pick. But do you, does that make we we all love Claxton? We know his permanent value, but mate, how are you getting those minutes? I just don't see how. It's yeah, happening. I had I had to talk a little a lot of people down last season also when it was the same kind of thing, and I thought the path last season was actually clearer than it was oh, yeah. now and they still were only giving him 20 21 minutes of ball game it just needs to be more i thought your choice of words was accurate because it is littered with bodies blake griffin paul Millsap, lamarcus aldridge they could all three literally just be lying on the ground and they'd probably still get the minutes ahead of him but yeah it's just it's too many it's too much of a log jam they'll use claxton on games where they need a little more athleticism there they use Aldridge on games where they need that mid-range, Blake when they need more pat. Like they have too many choices for any one of those guys to be a reliable player. DFSers are probably better at this type of thing than I am. Like maybe you can get cute and on a particular night know that the matchup is going to be just right. But I don't have that level of skill to say tonight's the night, you know, one game out of nine. I'm going to throw Claxton in my lineup and hope he gets 22 minutes because I just don't think it's happening. No, there's no, there's no way to be able to judge that to that level of precision where you're going to just draft him, sit him on your bench and play him 10 times a year. Like this is, It's not worth it. I would love for him to do it. He's their best offensive big by a considerable margin. But I just don't see them bringing Aldridge, Griffin, Millsap in on minimum deals and saying, guys, can you sit down while this big guy with blonde dreadlocks plays ahead of you? And he's 20 years old. Like They're going to say, oh, yeah, no worries, Steve. No, get him out there. That's just not going to happen. And it's just not. I understand. I could be wrong. I probably am, but no, it's uh, it's not going to happen. Anyway, let's no, recap some picks. After um, Bumba and Favors, it went Dylan Brooksy Brooks, Truma Akiki. I took Montrez Harrell. Again, it's my bench. He might not play when Thomas Bryant comes back, but I don't care if I can get, maybe I can get top 100 numbers for him for three months. Though I'm happy with that. Isaiah Roby goes at 128. Dennis Schroeder goes at 129. The wave pool, D'Anthony Melton goes at 130. We know we love him, mm. but minutes are always the issue. TJ Warren, I'm not touching him because of the injuries. Uh, if it's a Zubats at 132. So Melton, people go, oh, Grayson Allen's gone. So now he's going to get big minutes. I I do not trust Taylor Jenkins anywhere near enough to think that that is going to be the case. No, you can't. You can't trust him. That's Everybody's going to get to play 23 minutes a game again. It, unfortunately... That's just the way things are. They're a very, very deep team with, you know, one, two guys that have kind of guaranteed minutes on the roster. And and Melton's not one of those guys. If he comes off the bench and isn't playing well his first six minutes, that's just it. And you cannot afford, as much as I love his per-minute production, you cannot afford to take what's... Like, early in this draft, I talked about how in... in or during the pregame show, actually, how in a Roto Games Cap League 
you don't have to eat zeros. But Melton is actually one of those guys where you kind of do because there could be a game. He plays four minutes, misses a shot, has a turnover, and is just done. That's brutal if you use up one of your 820 games on that. you got to get something out of your guy that's playing, and if the minutes just aren't safe, I can't do it. That said, we're now at the point of a draft where, again, you're sort of like, you know, screw it. If it doesn't work, you drop him in, in two days. Because look at the other guys coming off the board right now. Yeah. The upside with Melton is better than most of the guys we're seeing drafted. Just don't be disappointed if it doesn't work. After Zubats went John Wall at 133, and which normally I would say, what are you doing? But you're in a Roto Games cap. Like, if he doesn't play all year, uh, a Roto bench, Dan, is basically, it's not quite, but it's basically another injured reserve slot. Now, there are going to be guys that you sit out, but you're not, very rarely you're going to have to use all of your bench guys. And if you've got three injuries there, and then, or six injuries, because you know, you've got three injured reserve slots on a default Yahoo this year, and three bench slots, like, it's unlikely that you're going to have to use all of those bench guys every time. You can sit there and wait to see if anything happens, because if he does play, he probably is better than 133rd, but you're sort of hoping for that. Al Horford at 134, I like. Danny Green, Aaron Gordon at 135, they're just like the biggest fart in your mouth type of picks I could I could really think of. Like They're fine, but Malik Beasley falling to 137 feels like it went a bit too far, and then I took... LaMarcus Aldridge at 138. We talked about that center position. Aldridge played five games for the Nets last year, Dan, as you are selecting. So you can you know, just think about what you're doing. But I just think that, again, I'm at pick 11. Actually, pick 12. He can sit on my bench. And if he does recapture 70% of his 19-24, well, that's a top 100 guy. I don't expect him to. But I think that if all comes yeah. together, he can clearly be... The best he can be the best center there. He probably won't be, but he can be the best center there. So I got him at 138. Then we got Clay at 139. I'm not drafting Clay really anywhere. Um, no, I don't. I don't think he's back till January. And then we go Thibault at 140. Jordy Poole at 141. And then you took Larry Markin at 142. But yeah, <sighs> yeah. How, how I, unexcited you know, are you by it? That's a, that's a shot in the dark. That's a will they if they play him. Sweet, because it couldn't be any worse. And again, the comparison to other guys going off the board right now, you're just looking for that 5% chance that something lands with your 13th, 14th round pick in this Roto Games Cap League. And they're going to play him. They just gave him a whole crap ton of money. Uh, Will he do enough? Probably not. Probably not. Odds are it's not going to work. But if he plays enough minutes, there's some points, there's some boards. There's a good free throw percent. There's some threes for a big man. There is a little bit of upside there, even if it's a li- like hanging just out of reach. I feel like, what's that? Is that Tantalus, the the Greek mythology? Uh, I, I guess I, I got to pick again here, don't I? That's too intellectual for me, Dan. Um, people oh, can't, can't no. see that pick there. Um, after Danny went with Markinen, we had Steve Adams at 143, Terry Ross at 144, Otto Porter went at 145, and then Kawhi Leonard, who there is zero need to draft Kawhi Leonard. He went at 146, and then Nicky Batum goes at 147. Yeah, do you think Batum starts? I actually do think he starts. I, I, I This is a team that that is going to need a little bit more offense with Kawhi at all year, but I'm just looking back at, at what happened last season with Batum, and I know a lot of that was actually tied to Marcus Morris being out. He kind of had his spot on the floor, uh, but they loved what he brought to the table. He had a, a brilliant shooting season. He's an across-the-board performer. Again, all I'm doing here in this 130, 140, 150 range, I'm looking at the guy and saying, is there a path to this guy putting up top 75 to top 90 per game numbers in any weird magical part of the universe. Cause I don't want a guy here. That's going to be 
a super durable top 125. That's useless for a roto bench. I want a guy where if the stars align, if the dice comes up, whatever, yo Levin, I bring home some bacon and I can slot him into my roster, or maybe I can pair him up with someone and, and work a trade. So again, just upside hunting. We saw Batum do it with the Clippers last year. There's a chance he could do it again. There's a chance he won't. I mean, 147, even if the chance that he doesn't is bigger than the chance he does, I still think that's a reasonable pick. Because again, a lot of the guys you're looking at on the board right now, there's just no path at all for them to have top 100 or better per game numbers. And you can avoid those guys now. After Batum was Barton at 148, which I really like. Josh Hart at 149, I'm not as keen on. But then some real upside plays. Alexei Pokashevsky goes at 150. I chose Killian Hayes at 151. I needed some assistance deals. If it doesn't work out, oh well. But at least I know that he's going to have an opportunity to be a starting point guard. So, you know, there's upside in that. And then Monty Morris at 152, another guy who's going to be a starting point guard. Good upside there. Patrick Williams goes at 153. He'll probably touch the ball one every three or four games, but he's <laughs> going to he's gonna play minutes. He can get some steals. And at 153, yeah. it's, it's good. You're looking for what's the role? Like, can something happen in this second year? I know he's going to play. It's not like I'm out here drafting Chris Smith. Do you know who Chris Smith plays for? This is my... My question I'm going to ask people, do you know who does we're going to do who he play for, but without being uh, as disrespectful, do you know who Chris Smith plays for? Not a clue. Pretty sure you just made that guy up. Chris Smith is a two-way guy for the Detroit Pistons who tore his ACL and probably doesn't play for a big chunk of this season. But he's, Oh, uh, that's a, that's a downer answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> After Pat Williams goes, Dan Tice, Dorian Finney-Smith, Gary Trent, Rui Hachimura. Getting back to my pick, Bobby Portis. That's who I wanted there, amazingly. Punch Bob goes at 158. Oh, Robert. Hmm. Let's, uh, I've got three picks to mine. So anything that stand out there, how do you like Gary Trent this year? Because I can't wait to get Jared Johnson on this show because me and him fight about Gary Trent all the time. Do you like uh, Gary uh, Trent? I don't like Gary Trent. Which side of the fence are you on there? I'm on, uh, I'm on the Daniel Besbris Jr. side of that one. Yeah. I, I do not like him at He's- all. He is a one-category player, which, again, makes him quite fitting for a points league. Have at it, man. He could be like a top 80 points league kind of dude. But uh, nine cat? Nah, man. I can't can't have that guy taking 22 shots and making six of them every night. That's brutal. So what do I do with this pick? It's my turn. Anything. Literally anything you want. And no one will care. Seth Curry. Can you talk James Wiseman at 160? And uh, you saw the news about Wiseman today? Yeah, that he's likely limited at the beginning here. And they're a little vague about it, but it sounds like he's probably not starting the year. Well, he's, he's not going to start jumping until October the 15th. So, yeah, he is definitely not starting the year. He won't be. I back. heard you need to do that to play basketball. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is important. He will start jumping on October the 15th. So he's not going to be back until November. Um, and he's not good. And yeah, I wasn't be, taking him anyway. <laughs> Even be if he behind. was jumping, I wasn't drafting him. He'll be way behind the, the eight ball. They'll, uh, I think, slot into a situation where they play Bielitsa like and there, Draymond. Oh, t- Tim Hardaway at 162. Like, maybe he doesn't fit what I need, but I think he's better than that. But yeah, the, the wise one, I just, I think he's way behind the eight ball by a, not being able to participate in any of preseason here. Boban. What the hell? Boban That's a piss take for sure. Now we're, now we're just getting silly. I might as well take Boogie at Take this Chris point. Smith. <laughs> yeah, where, where the hell is he? Can I find him on the board is a better question. Um, all right, we'll go with uh, someone, what I call one of the leftovers. We'll try this guy in, in the last round. Are you surprised There's- that Kawhi went off the board, yet the headmaster, Jamal Murray, is still there? I thought as an injury player, uh, Murray would go ahead of Kawhi. And I take well, he has a better chance of playing, I would mm, think. That's true. I don't think either of them should be drafted, but... No, agree. So let's yeah. recap here. After I took... Well, after Wiseman went uh, Tyler Hero, it went Tim Hardaway, 
Brandon Clark, Boba May. How the mighty have fallen with Brandon Clark, Boba Mayanovic, Kem Birch, Danny Brezbrooks took Davis. Yeah, it is Davis Bertans, Royce O'Neill, and then the final selection in this mock draft was uh, the screen. I've just noticed that you guys on the video aren't seeing the whole screen because I was it hasn't. Um... Oh no, you are seeing it. What, my, what I am I talking? Um, Tyrese Maxey, which is a great pick, I think, with that final selection because I think he's in yeah. for a pretty big role this year. And uh, when I spoke to Sixers beat reporter Keith Pompey, he told me that he is uh, pretty firmly ahead of Shake Milton at this point in the rotation and uh, some interesting numbers potentially coming his way. That's really interesting. Dan, that's the the Roto draft done. Um, that was that was a blitz, man. That was that was fun. I like those fast ones. You really you got to be on your you got to be on your game and then to to do analysis while it's happening. Oh, it's tough. Uh, I'm I'm pleased that I didn't do anything completely idiotic during this draft. There are like some borderline idiotic stuff. Buddy Heald was sort of borderline idiotic, but it was around 100, so I can live that thing down. Uh, this is a challenge, man. If I'll tell everybody else out there, if, if you guys are in a league where you win every year, do your next draft while simultaneously announcing it. Oh, That'll be impossible. your next level. It's so hard because you can't plan anything out in advance. Like normally no. if I'm doing a draft and I'm not recording, like I've got... Every every pick planned out, and I've got four options here. And I know it. And the clock comes up, bang, the pick's done. Like I'm here, I'm like, oh shit, it's my pick. There's ten seconds left. Like it's really tough when you're trying to produce that. Like, all right, Danny, before I let you go, go and go back to your family. Give me one sec. Tell me, tell me who's on your team. Go through your team. All right, so I'll start at the top here. I got Steph at three, which I felt like was uh, a gift because Giannis went in front, and and like you said, you were trying to put me at the front end of the who else, and I got lucky. So that was a no brainer. Um, he's going to have to carry that team until Clay gets back. He'll have to clear that team, carry that team in a little bit after Clay gets back. Easy pick. Second round pick was actually kind of a tough one for me. I have struggled this year uh, with the back end of the second round. A lot of the guys that I've targeted are gone by about pick 18 or 19. Uh, you took Jimmy Butler with, oh, and Kyrie Irving went at, at 14. Those are the two guys that I'm always kind of crossing my fingers, make it to 21 or 22 Often they do, but when they don't, I'm left in this weird quandary of, do I go get the guy who I think is the upside play, but maybe he doesn't fit perfectly and there's a, there's some risk involved, or do I go get the very safe? And I went safe in this one with Rudy Gobert. I may end up regretting that decision down the line, but if he's out there every game, again, you can set your watch to it. Those are the guys I want in my early picks. Third round pick was Chris Paul. This is, again, not a guy I was targeting this year after being like the Chris Paul guy each of the last two seasons. I just thought with the with the wrist injury, uh, the, the late finals run, this was a season for him to dial it back during the regular campaign a little bit. But yet here he is still going in the third round. And, and I kind of, I flipped a coin basically between Chris Paul and Michael Porter Jr. I think if we did this draft again, I'd probably go MPJ. Um, but I'm not super upset because I do think Chris Paul ends up in the second round instead of the first this year. So still... Uh, hopefully a very small win if he can keep himself healthy. Fourth round, uh, again, really safe play. I, I'm working at this point on kind of buttressing the free throws after Rudy Gobert. I took care of threes early. I took care of rebounds, blocks, field goal percent is in really good shape at this point. Assists with Chris Paul. Steals are now in a better position. So I went in a, with a couple of across-the-board guys. John Collins in the fourth, C.J. McCollum in the fifth. That'll give me a little bit of scoring, which my team was kind of weak on uh, in the second and third rounds. Some more rebounds, not a ton, but a few. McCollum, again, kind of across the board stuff, not ruining any percentages. It's sixth round where I usually start to take some chances. 
And as it turned out, a couple guys just fell to me here. So I, this, this was not my plan. I ended up with Terry Rozier near the end of the sixth. I think even if you see a drop off from him in shooting, this is one he probably beats this mark. Chris Boucher in the seventh. This is a guy that we talked about it during the draft. He's been going in the top 50. So I had no plans of ending up with him, but here he was. I think this was pick 75. But all right, well, you know, you're talking 45 range upside on him. I have to, again, take that shot. Most regrettable pick, I think, for me was probably Buddy Heald in the eighth. Again, it's not a complete mess, but yeah, Buddy Heald in the 90s, fine. I could have taken him in the hundreds without question. He'll just plot along. The upside with Heald is does his field goal percent come back up to 44 or something still not great, but not ruining your team because he becomes then a really strong three-point guy uh, and a really good foul shooter as well, which is something I've tried to kind of create after the Gobert second-round pick. I like Olenek in the ninth. I think there's some nice upside there with his around the board or across the board game. Nerlens Noel in the tenth. Should anything happen to Mitchell Robinson, that becomes a brilliant pick. I think you can use him anyway. Actually, as the backup there, he can do it in 18, 20 minutes of ball game, which is probably what he gets. Nice rebounds, nice field goal percent. Eh, rebounds actually are okay, but great defensive stats. And now it's all upside chasing. Mo Bamba in the eleventh half a ball game is all he needs to be. Uh, a top 75, top 70 kind of guy. He might not stay healthy. In fact, he almost definitely won't, but who cares? Because uh, if I get 40 top 70 some odd games out of my 11th round pick in a Roto League, that's great. Larry Markinen in the 12th. Do the Cavs play him? I think they paid him. They probably will. Nick Batum, again, if he starts, he has a path to 75, 80 range. And then Davis Bertans was my last pick. I didn't really get a chance to mention that. He's a leftover. Um, Russell Westbrook is not in Washington anymore, and Westbrook took everything from everyone. If Bertans is healthy this year, he has a chance to at least inch back. He's not going to get to that 40 range that he was two seasons ago, but he's not. I don't think he's going to be completely irrelevant. I think there's going to be a confidence thing with him. Uh, I probably have too many three-pointers on this team, but frankly, I didn't care because it was all about taking some home run hacks late, and, and we'll see how that goes. And that is my end-of-show monologue. Well... I'll tell you what my team was. Um, at pick seven, I had. I started with Durant, went with Jimmy Butler, Don Mitchell, uh, Christian Wood. I, I got to a lot of the guys, and I actually hate the way my team looks, but oh well. Um, a lot of the guys I wanted got taken. Uh, Christian Wood, Lonzo Ball at 55, D'Angelo Russell, Jakob Pertl, Miles Bridges, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, DeAndre Hunter, Montrez Harrell, Harrell LaMarcus Aldridge, Killian Hayes, Tim Hardaway. So, you know, flyers on Harrell, Aldridge, Hayes. See what they can do. I think there's all top 100 potential for those three guys. Hardaway, yeah, whatever. He can give me a nice sort of scoring punch if I'm needing it there. Some other ones that I'm not particularly, like I don't know what Lonzo is going to do. Hopefully Wood's able to be pre-All-Star, not post-All-Star or post-ankle injury. Christian Wood, that'd be great for me. And Bridges continues to play at the level he did. But I'm not particularly happy with the team. But if I put it into my Basketball Monster standings monster, Dan, the top four teams are separated by two roto points in my projections. That includes your team. Hey. who came in at number two. I was at number four. I was on projected 64 roto points. You're at 65. Uh, Andrew's team at 66 was on top and normal human drafter, which is a ripping name. He was at 64 as well. So the four of us separated by two points up the top. And then there was RIP Sage Kyrie at 61. Steven's team at 58. Eli's at 58. Abri's at 56. Quark's Z. Tough name to say at 55. Kento at 53. Mega Man at 52. And Benjamin... Just uh, bring up the rear at 50 projected uh, roto points. But who knows? Stuff can change. That's how it all looks at this point. Pretty good draft. Pretty um, 
pretty strong picks the majority of the way through, Dan. And of course, before I let you go, I've kept you too long. Just tell people what, uh, where they can find you and what you're doing um, apart from uh, about to go to bed. This is definitely not too long. I'm just going to walk two rooms over and help the little fellas uh, go to sleep. Uh, just follow me on Twitter. That's sort of the only thing I'd, I'd push. Everything else I do, I can tweet it out. There's there's too many places and too many things. At uh, Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And, and I guess listen to Fantasy NBA Today if you have uh, an extra 30 or 40 minutes in your day. I just mostly want to say thank you. This was a ton of fun, Josh. Uh, I know that folks have been clamoring for us to to talk to each other on air more often. So this is a great opportunity to do that uh and to talk during a draft this is kind of new for me i actually hadn't done too many mocks because the one i hosted last year that was video i wasn't in it i made you guys do all the picking and i just got to narrate it from the sidelines yeah that's all i forgot uh, i forgot about that one how you uh you were just sitting back just watching everyone you muck things up it's great it's tough to do it (laughs) when there's only two of you here like it is tough and it is good to have a bit of a chat about things and get uh, get sidetracked but of course dan thank you for coming on and uh i'm sure we'll speak very very soon you know it thanks josh all right, that draft is over. I've got to tell you, though, now, because I've got other, other bills to pay. If you want to try something new for fantasy basketball, Sleeper is a new app out. People, It's been around for fantasy football for a while, and now it's here for basketball. So if you're just starting in fantasy basketball or there are people that you know that aren't quite into it, Sleeper might be the option for you because they have a format that is uh, called Game Pick, and it means that you just pick one game per player per week. You don't have to worry about how many games they play each week. You just pick one game for them during the week. It's a points-only format that they offer, but the interface, the app, unbelievable. Really, really smooth stuff. Offer Dynasty, Keeper Leagues, a a ton of options there with that points league uh, game pick format. So go and try it out. Get your friends involved. I want as many people playing fantasy basketball as possible. And Sleep is a great way to bring casual people into the game and get them uh, get them in, especially if they are used to, say, a fantasy football because the format there is very similar. So go and download that Sleeper app, start a league with your mates, and see how it goes. If you are unlike me and you are an elite athlete, or maybe you're just like me, a fat-ass slob who's sitting on a chair and you get the stresses of daily life really weighing you down, well, Theragun might be what you need. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Giggity! The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Giggity! Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers and me. So try Theragun for 30 days at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash lockdown right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash lockdown, therabody.com slash lockdown. On guys, it's been a long one. We're ready to go. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Remember the question way back at the beginning of the show. Drop that comment in the Twitter replies to this show, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.